Welcome to the Evolved Caveman Podcast. I am Dr. John, the guide for your heroic journey towards greater health, success, and most importantly, happiness. And now, on with the show. Hey everybody, this is Dr. John, back with another episode of the Evolved Caveman, and I am really, really excited today to have with me Johnny Elsasser. And Johnny is a former, former Special Ops U.S. Army Ranger with four combat tours between Iraq and Afghanistan, and another five years protecting the U.S. Ambassador to Iraq in Baghdad. Johnny has seen the field of masculinity through extreme alpha perspectives and knows the trials and tribulations all men, including the toughest men, deal with in society today. Johnny's mission now is to help men find strength in developing their authentic masculinity to be consistent with who they are and not what society expects them to be. Johnny has shifted his fight to advocating and supporting men in finding their own masculine blueprint and cultivating their purpose as positive men in the world today. And you can check him out on his excellent podcast, The Art of Masculinity. Johnny, thanks for coming. How are you doing? Uh, I am doing really well. I've been super excited to hop on here with you, Dr. John. And I, and I actually love the name of your podcast, by the way. Thanks. I appreciate that. I, I mean, to me, it's that we're always evolving, right? That we never stop learning. We never stop growing. And that's kind of mm-hmm. one of the big, uh, the big challenges in life and one of the big excitements, I would say. So tell me, like, so what, one of the things that I was really excited to ask you is what do you see as healthy masculinity in this day and age? Oh man, it's such a good question because really the game of masculinity is changing a lot. And as far as like the way that society views, I mean, evolution is really the name of the game. It's, it's perfect for your podcast, especially with masculinity today. And for healthy masculinity, we have to accept the role of that men in society do need to evolve and we play a different aspect than what was actually conditioned in us when we were children. So healthy masculinity, my subjective view of healthy masculinity are men who can really defend themselves, men who can be honest, men who can accept their roles in, in the decisions they make, the outcomes that they have, men who can be humble and funny and supportive and have that um, empathy and balance that masculine and feminine. I know that's a really trendy hashtag right now is saying that, oh, masculine and feminine energy. But in reality, when we have that ability to balance that, we become that healthy masculine that in my eyes conditions the next generation of boys and girls to see men in this really supportive yet leadership role that improves everybody around them, right? And isn't just looking to stomp down on one person or another or to dominate when you, I mean, there's so many different roads to go down, but the platform of hegemonic masculinity within society has been developed since the origination of the patriarchy. And from that, it's suppressed a lot of people and it's suppressed, it's built around power and control and dominance. And so to really take our, ourselves away from that and put masculinity in a role of constructive, collaborative, cohesive, supportive um, mindset, that's where I think healthy masculinity has its safest and has its best role within society. That's a hell of an answer. So let me, let's back up and put that answer in context because it sounds like, you know, I'm talking to you on the streets of Berkeley, but that's not your background. So tell us a little bit about your story and how you got to this point, because that's not the answer I would have expected from you with your background. 
<laughs> right. Um, I honestly, I, you know, I, when I was in special operations, I realized very, very early on that I was great when I applied myself hundred percent. And I used to be looked at as kind of the average kid intelligence wise. I wasn't my, my grandma who I love her to death. She was a teacher and a principal always just said, you know, Johnny just can't get any work done. He doesn't do anything. My brother was like the golden child for intelligence. That wasn't me. And so I never prided myself on that. I, I skated through school being able to drink on the weekends with my buddies. And I knew enough TAs just to get by. So no one, you know, flagged my grades and came down on me. But that was about it. But I realized when I was in special operations, there was a higher level to even me. And so intellectually, I've always prided myself on the fact that if I'm going to be this whole masculine man in this world, part of that has to be intellectual. Part of that has to be that building of intelligence so that I can actually ask the right questions. I can be inquisitive. I can challenge myself and I can do my own research. And so when I started down the path of going into school, I was actually in, I was already doing protection for the U.S. ambassador to Iraq. And I decided that I was going to do online schooling while I was in Baghdad. And a lot of my buddies got onto playing, and maybe some of your guys out there can resonate with this, got onto like playing, you know, Call of Duty and like getting into all these games and stuff. And they didn't really take the time to be like, oh, let me just step foot into getting some of these degrees. So when I started down that path, I ended up going just for a bachelor's and ended up with a bachelor's and two master's degrees. And in all reality, I only say that because it helped me learn how to research. And so when I started to then go down the path of masculinity, I applied that intellect to say, well, let me really research this. Let me look at the work that's been done for men in society today. And let me look at where we actually come from. Because if we can't, I mean, again, the evolved caveman has the combination of where we came from and where we're going. And if we don't know where we came from as men in society and what really predates our mentality, how we were conditioned, then we really can't understand where we want to take ourselves. So I dove into that. I dove into the psychology and the, and the sociological aspects of masculinity that, in my opinion, not a lot of people are looking at today. They, they'd love to mention Carl Jung or Jung, however you want to say it. They love to go down yeah. the psychology path of, of him. But they don't like to go down the sociological paths with which actual practical application can show through, you know, a lot of different methods of scientific methods of finding that average sum of how men are really being portrayed in society and how we're conditioned. And so when I did that, that's really where I've ended up today as far as like my expertise in the field and how I've conditioned myself. And that's why I have that answer for you uh, on, on the the question that you asked, but it, it becomes a long-winded answer for me just because of that background. Well, and, and I appreciate the answer. And, and one of the reasons I was excited to talk to you is that I, I can really appreciate your nuanced thinking around this issue of masculinity, because what I see in this day and age is so much black and white, all or nothing thinking that it just doesn't get to the heart of the matter. I mean, like, you know, the right is upset about the psychological report from the APA that came out, I think, 2016. That was like, oh, my God, you know, I don't even know what anti-feminism is or what it means to not be feminine. And like there's to me, it's not about either or it's not about the one or the 10 on the spectrum of like self-reliance or um, be tough. It's 
how do we look at the intersections, those gradations of gray between the one and the 10? And how do we get more nuanced look at some of these traits that make up masculinity? And what do we want to leave behind? And what do we want to bolt onto the front moving forward? And, and I think it, mm. it, I just see too much simplistic thinking out there in general and about this issue in particular. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree with you. And it is, it has become black and white and people really aren't understanding that nuance within masculinity in and of itself, or just even in, within the development part of that with men though, part of a part of that is our fault. We have to take ownership for that. Part of that is because we don't talk. Part of that is because we don't get out and say, <laughs> what? I don't understand. What? <laughs> right? Okay. You're right. So part of it, part of this is our own doing, you know, we don't talk about this stuff. We're taught that everything gets shoved out. We're taught that everything is suppressed because opening up equals vulnerability and emasculation. But in reality, opening up helps people to understand. That's why when we even look back to the, the sociological aspects of hegemonic masculinity and Dr. Raywin Connell, who basically started the forefront of this transgender woman, by the way, who started the forefront of this uh, understanding back in the seventies, that's not that long ago. That's really the right. first studies that we have on the social aspects of masculinity, but we don't talk about it as men. So part of this misunderstanding of the gray areas, the nuances between one and 10 is because we don't talk, we don't share. And then everybody's left to interpret people who aren't men are left to interpret. And it's not really the men that are stepping up. And then not only that, but the men who are part of like this true, especially the alpha way of life, those guys definitely aren't opening up. And that's where I, I feel like I have fit in, um, in that capacity. And there's a few other men who have fit in, in that capacity that are now coming out and really just talking about the problems that we have, the issues that we struggle with, the confusion that society presents nowadays. And then how do we blend some of these, these features that have been ingrained in men? How do we blend some of that with this other nuanced characteristics of balancing femininity, support, empathy, love, appreciation, happiness? Yeah. And, and I think the goal to me is sort of this full spectrum masculinity where we can embrace all parts of ourselves. We can be aware of how we are feeling, label that and be okay with that. Cause I see so many guys that are like, um, you know, I feel depressed. Oh, I shouldn't feel depressed. I'm a pussy if I feel depressed. And then they, they kind of get in that shame spiral and it's not a great way to deal with it in my opinion. I mean, mm -hmm. and so what are, you know, what are some of the main struggles you see or hear from men in this day and age? I mean, one of the biggest issues that men have, uh, and I had a conversation with a good friend of mine where we talked about this, but, um, one of the main issues is emotional vocabulary. Right. And you're big on this. Obviously, you know, your background is, is understanding this. And so I think in, in general, society lacks this, but men in particular, we lack an emotional vocabulary. We're like a five-year-old who says, I have something coming up with me and I don't even know how to express it. So I'm going to do it the one way that I'm permitted to. And that's anger or solitude. And so yeah. I think one of the biggest problems is guys don't even understand truly what the emotions are coming up in them. And until we actually grow that emotional vocabulary to put words to it and to then to associate the feeling with a different word other than anger or isolation or sadness or depression, when we actually truly find that nuance in vocabulary, we can actually understand ourselves better, which then allows us to have a better EQ around other people. The other thing that I see guys really struggling with today that I hear in a lot of my coaching calls is they literally don't know 
how or who they're supposed to be in the world today. They're getting mixed signals from the expectations of society, and they're they're having a mixed feeling of their own authenticity. And they're like, well, man, if I don't get out and grab a gun and hunt, then I'm not a man. Well, no, that's, that's not real. Um, or if I don't go ahead and put on some gloves and step in a ring and work on my fighting skills, I'm not a man. They're like, well, no, that's also not real. But we're getting these mixed signals of what is expected of men and then what is authentic to us individually. And so many guys are getting lost in this. You know, another, the, the other big problem I hear, and you probably dealt with this as well, is I ask guys, you know, what makes you happy today? And they <laughs> sit there and they say, right. Johnny, what's happiness? Yeah. I, I mean, what's like that, they don't even know. I mean, that, that's, and that's been one of my driving goals is to, you know, help men become more successful, which I don't really care as much about and happy. I think a lot of men mm-hmm. have shown themselves to be successful and I find them to be quite miserable when I talk to them and it frustrates the hell out of me because it's, I mean, if, if you think about it, back to how we're socialized, that, that if we feel any positive emotion, we can go through a couple of things. One is I'm not worthy of it. I don't deserve to be happy. Um, and the other one I, I think is just this idea oh, that I totally lost it. Um, <laughs> oh, we don't even know happiness when it hits us in the face because we're so emotionally unaware. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and so when we ask them that question and they say, well, what's happiness? Or they'd be like, I can't even remember truly the last time I was happy. That's a problem, right? That is truly a problem. If all you know is shame and regret and guilt and suffering, then life doesn't become enjoyable. And then you, in fact, I guess for a lack of better term in the times of COVID, but you infect everybody around you with that resignation of not understanding happiness and not in expressing joy. And so that's where I find a lot of guys have struggles as well. And one of the things I love to tell guys is, is think about, just take a moment and think about when you were a kid before life got to you, before expectations of masculinity and men got to you, what were the things that you enjoyed doing? And you can list one or two or three things, right? That you just felt complete joy. And when guys get back to that, that little boy inside, like, oh crap, that's what it was like. And then you tell them, why are you not doing that? Right? Like, why don't you go out and take some time during the week and do that action that you remember as a boy that made you happy? Yeah. Well, yeah. And I remember what I was going to say. I think we're socialized as men to stay away from positive emotions because they're seen as feminine. And we sure as hell growing up don't want to be perceived as feminine because we get, you know, insults like pussy, bitch, you know, and that in and of itself deters us from pursuing things like happiness. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think it's really, and, and, you know, I think the other way we're socialized is just grind it out, you know, just yeah. be a provider, grind it out. It's not really about you. And, and I think, you know, again, back to that idea of nuance, I think there's some good in that idea of be a provider and, you know, provide for the family. And yet I see that value get distorted and cancerous over the years. It it kind of shifts to, I'm getting my ego fed by being at work and people know me there. They respect me. I'm, my commands are followed And they get more and more time and energy put towards work and less and less time put towards the family, which they they started initially to provide for. 
Now the wife is pissed at him, annoyed, irritated. The teenage kids are like, screw you, dad. I don't want to have anything to do with you. And so the, it, it gets morphed and unhealthy, I think. Yeah. I, I think I 100% agree with you. And I like to categorize that as martyrdom. Um, you know, yeah. men are taught that being a martyr is the way of life because sacrificing yourself because you're strong enough to sacrifice your life and to sacrifice your happiness that other people can re- rise in their happiness and enjoyment of life. And the, the prescription for you is to not enjoy that. But at the end of the day, it's like, okay, well, if that's what we want to resign to, then what's the purpose of life in general, just to suffer? Because that makes no sense. And that makes no sense for you to raise a young boy to then be happy, what, for his adolescence and then to suffer as a man, because that's like, where's the conversion to this? And so, yeah, socially, it's, it's very damaging to the psyche of men where that, uh, where we can place ourselves in a position of looking quote unquote selfish by giving back to who we are and giving ourselves enjoyment. So then we can give everybody else a hundred percent of who we are. And so that's the thing that men, I think really they, they resign to that martyrdom and martyrdom is okay for us because sacrificing Mm -hmm. is okay for us. Look at the, look at the military, look at, um, look at police force, look at fire department, all of these jobs that have inherent high risks are dominated by men. And it's always been okay for men to be, to lay down their lives, but it's not okay for men to seek happiness and purpose. You know, how messed up is that? Yeah. And uh, yeah, I completely agree. Um, And, you know, the other thing that kind of switching topics here slightly, one of the things that interested me also is your thoughts about mindset and how mindset enters into being a healthy man. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I mean, a lot of similar to what you have exposed to your community, mindset is a, is a huge thing in the sense of how we speak to ourselves, right? Um, I always ask guys, the way you talk to yourself, if somebody, if somebody spoke to your wife that way, your kids that way, or even to your face that way, if it was another human being, how would you react? Because we are our worst critics and we beat the hell out yeah. of ourselves. But when's the last time we gave ourselves acknowledgement or gratitude for some small win? right? We don't acknowledge that. And that's a mindset thing. If we can't say, wow, Johnny, you're doing really well today, man. You, you got like five things done and they may not be the biggest things in the world, but they move the needle. Great job, bro. Like super happy that you did that. And I'm proud of you. If we don't talk to ourselves that way and we constantly beat the crap out of our own psyche, well, what do you think we're going to end up giving to, to the rest of the world? What do you think we're going to end up giving to our own life? We're going to end up giving shit because we treat ourselves like shit. You know, it's the same thing with food. What you put in your mind is what you put out to everybody else. If you're going to continually putting shit into your mind, you're going to continue to put shit out to everybody else. And what kind of guy wants to do that? You claim that you're there for your family. You claim that you're there for your spouse. You claim that you're there for your friends, but you're not giving any of that to them because your mindset is completely distorted on how you view yourself, even in this world. So getting back to giving some form of gratitude and appreciation instead of just constantly beating yourself down is one way to immediately get ahead of your mindset and to actually start to condition those things along the lines of Dr. Joe Dispenza and Bruce Lipton. Yeah. So let me, let me ask you this. How did your mindset that 
internal dialogue, how has that evolved from when you were in special ops to now? Oh man, this is such a good question. And uh, a lot of guys can probably relate to this, but let's, let's, let's back up to when I was coming out of special operations, right? So when I came out of that and I, and I got done doing protection and I came back home, my mindset was super negative to everybody else around me because I was judging them constantly as a man. I was like, bro, who are you to say this? Who are you to act like that? Who are you to be like this? Uh, you have no idea what I've done. You have no idea what I've seen since 18 years old. I was kicking indoors, like, you know, screw you. This is bullshit. Like you're a terrible person and I hate you. Right. So like I had this huge judgmental ego going around and it wasn't helpful to me. That's what also led me into a very tight, like close group of friends that, that kept me in a negative mindset. And also it pushed me to having a mindset of just like thinking that drinking on the weekends and bitching to my brother about how shit the world was, was okay. And so my negative judgment of everybody was, was, uh, very impactful to how I looked at the world and also to what I was receiving from the world, which that can be another conversation. But then I even started to self-development, right? Even this show, like this show or any of the other shows that I have friends who are great podcast hosts on, I would immediately be like, who the hell is he to tell me how to be a man today? What does he know about my life? You know, what has he done in his life? What has Dr. John done, right? Like, what is what, what have any of these people done? And so I would judge that. And then what I found out was part of that trick to my, uh, or let's say part of that tripwire to changing my mindset was a book by Dr. Wayne Dyer called Excuses Be Gone. And in Excuses mm -hmm. Be Gone, if you, I'm sure you've read his books, he, you know, Dr. Wayne Dyer wrote like a freaking punch right to your gut. He didn't care that he was highly educated. He wrote direct. And that's what I needed. And what I realized was that my mindset was actually my protection, my ego's protection against my own insecurities. And I was like, holy crap. And for me, that opened up everything because I was like, wow, what am I not talking to myself about? So I can view the world differently. So I can see happiness because part of my mindset was also seeing the negative in every situation. If I didn't plan for the worst, I thought I was going to be caught off guard. And I thought that I was going to end up being subjected to the external factors that were in my life. So guess what I did? I would treat everything like an operation. I would plan for the worst and have three different contingencies. But guess what you just did? You gave the universe or world or whatever you want to call it, you gave it permission to give you the worst situation because all you did was think about it. And that became your outcome. So if you look at it that way, I was drawing in negative outcomes in my life just by having that mindset. So when I really realized that my insecurities were causing judgment, my insecurities were causing me to plan for the worst, my insecurities were uh, acknowledging that I was incapable as a man in normal society. I had to flip that. I had to be like, dude, if you want a different life, if you want a better life, if you don't want to be sitting here putting your head to the grindstone or living paycheck to paycheck, you need to change. You need to change your mindset and how you see people because you need to open your eyes to good friendships like this one. You need to open your eyes to accepting new experiences and I couldn't do that with me blocking myself through guarding my insecurities.
And, and thank you for that answer. I, I mean, I, to me, it's one of those fundamental things that I see with men where it's kind of that love me as I am fixed mindset. You know, I don't need to learn anything. And the thing that's damaging about what you were saying about your earlier self-dialogue is I believe it shuts down any new learning. That, that judgmentalness mm-hmm. can easily label someone and say, this guy doesn't know what it means to be a man. I'm not listening to mm-hmm. anything he has to say. And then you don't learn anything. And, and it's, it's one of the, the things that I think frustrates me most about men in general is the lack of intellectual humility. The, the thought mm-hmm. of, I know it all. I don't need to know anything more. And it's like, no, no, that, that's not true. And, and generally, that's a, it's a trait of, well, I don't even want to go into that, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I won't go there. Um, but I love it. So what does it sound like in your head now compared to back um, then? Oh, man. What's the differences it's, that you notice? It's, incre- it's incredible now. Um, uh, it, sometimes it, can, it becomes hard to explain, but it, it's incredibly different. So um, a lot of times, and this is what I tell guys, it's not about completely 100% like flipping um, some things that are ingrained in you. It's about understanding how to catch them and then change them. Right. And mm-hmm. so for me, what it looks like is when a judgmental thought comes in, into my head, right. It's flipping the narrative of what that is. So if it's uh, say, for instance, I'm being challenged by somebody in a group setting and it's a guy who's getting a lot of attention. He's got a lot of knowledge and he's talking. And then I want to have my own opinion, right? Number one, the first thing I do is question, why am I getting angry? I literally ask myself, well, what, what is it that's triggering you about this guy? So now it's acknowledging and disarming my ego. It's acknowledging and saying, okay, I get it. You're here. But what is it that's causing me to get angry? Because it's in me that's manifesting that. It has nothing to do right. with this guy. The other thing that I do is if all of a sudden I'm like, yeah, he's smart, but look at me, dresses like an idiot. He looks ridiculous. It's like, well, what? right? Like, wait, you're talking about me, aren't you? <laughs> I dressed myself today. Like, Thank you very much. Oh yeah, I, I mean, it looks great on you. <laughs> but uh, but it's it's then saying to myself, okay, if I'm making fun of this guy for some reason. Why am I making fun of him? What intimidates me about him? Or what is it that I, that I actually appreciate about him that I feel like I'm lacking, right? So now all of a sudden, I start to ask more questions to myself and I stay quiet, right? Instead of, this is where a lot of guys jump into the one-upper type uh, mentality and they'll chime in with some, some dumbass comment about how they hiked you know, Kilimanjaro and it has nothing to do with the conversation, right? But they'll want to one-up. But in this case, what I do is I flip it and start asking questions to myself internally. And then what I do is actually, instead of looking at this guy and really feeling challenged by him, I'll ask him more questions about where his intelligence is, whatever he's talking about, because now all of a sudden I become present and I'm open to learning. And so that's the, that's a huge change for me because I would have never done those things. I would have never done those things just a few years ago. Um, and then the, the, I was going to say the final thing to that is just allowing yourself to acknowledge and say, okay, bro, it's okay. There's nothing here that's going to harm you. And it's okay. If somebody has some different, um, some different, uh, intelligence than you 
or looks better than you and is getting more attention, that's okay. There's, there's no comparison there. Well, I, I love what you said in the beginning, and I got hung up on this one about kind of the anger and kind of taking it, to me, it's like taking radical accountability or radical responsibility for your own anger. Like, what is it in me that's getting triggered about this guy? And, and I think mm-hmm. it's so easy for men and I guess women too, but we focus on men here. It's so easy for men to get sucked into that anger trap of externalizing blame. It's mm-hmm. all your fault. When, when I get really angry at you, it's so easy for me to go, man, if Johnny would just stop being such a fill in the blank, I wouldn't be so yeah. mad. And, yeah. and it, that gets us nowhere. So I, I love what you say about that. Um, so, boy, God, there's so many places to go from here. One of the, one of the things that I wanted to touch on, um, and I appreciate what you're saying about the growth in mindset, because I, I think that is one of the keys to us evolving is how we speak to ourselves in our own head. Um, and I, I agree absolutely that, I mean, in my head for many years, it was harsh. Like, you know, you fucking mm-hmm. dumbass when I'd make a mistake. Literally, that was what would go through yeah. my head. And one of the things that I noted that threatened me most or bring up those negative emotions when I was with others, for me, it was more anxiety, was the intelligence of other people. Mm -hmm. And just to give you context, I mean, like the hardest group for me to present to would be psychiatrists or psychologists. So people in my area, my field that might be smarter than me or might know more than me scared the shit out of me. But then it it got up to a level, uh, I don't know, a couple of years ago when I was asked to present at Stanford Medical School. And it was about, I don't know, a hundred people in the room and they were all MDs, PhDs. So they had mm. both. And I'm just like, yeah. uh, like, I don't belong here. Like, I'm not smart <laughs> enough, you know? Um, so wh- have you noticed any um, themes in what triggers you most? Like what brings up your insecurities most? Oh, 100%. Um, for <clears throat> me, a lot of it comes to, well, there's two different things. So for me, intellectually, I still, uh, you know, feel that sometimes I'm not credible in that field, just similar to like you, when I get up and present something or when I get up and talk about something, because I'm like, who am I to, to be doing this? And it's also the fact of like, I know past me would criticize me right now. And then I just assume everybody else in, yeah. the, in the audience is doing the same thing. Right. So that triggers me a lot, but I have to, that allows me to also step into it and say, okay, well, why is that triggering you? And why are you not feeling confident in the the knowledge that you possess? And so it allows me to question that. Another area that I usually feel challenged in, especially today, because I don't do, like I work out a lot, but I don't do as much with like hand-to-hand fighting like I used to do. I don't do as much shooting as I used to do. Yeah, me neither. (laughs) So I left the uh, knife fighting back in, you know, my teens. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Um, but I, I loved doing those things, but because I don't do them as on a regular basis as like I used to, when I get into those rooms where I'm either teaching something or I'm in a room with a bunch of guys who have a lot of experience in that, I feel very intimidated. Even though I'm very confident in my skills, I feel very intimidated in that. And that triggers me to start looking to finding something wrong with them, right? Like, oh, but they, they can't read a book or like whatever it is. 
So it allows me again to challenge myself, but those are two areas in which I get triggered a lot. And I think a lot of guys can resonate with that because um, if, if somebody's in a very physically strong place, if they're intellectually not as high as maybe a group that they're with, they're going to start poking fun at that group in different ways because they don't feel like they can measure up to that intellectual level. And that's what I, that's what I do when I get triggered and that's what I have to catch. So those are two areas. And, and thank you for sharing that. I mean, I, to me, it's amazing because I think there's so many things that can trigger us as men. And, you know, a lot of this is social comparison, right? The upward social comparison and, Mm-hmm. Man, in the area I live in and have you know kind of always lived in, there's a lot of people that are better off than anybody in many ways. You know, and and so I, I talk to a lot of guys about this that, you know, watch out for those upward social comparisons, comparing yourself to the guy who has more money, better house, cooler car, hotter wife, bigger dick, bigger biceps, like whatever it is, those are all things that can trigger insecurity, anxiety, and self-judgment in us. And it, mm-hmm. it's not, I mean, I think the more we can step out of the the competition mindset and get into more of a collaboration mindset, the better off we are. Well, and, I, and I'll actually add to that. I, I actually would say stay in the competition mindset, but stay in the competition mindset with yourself, with you yesterday. Okay, fair not enough. With other people, you know? You know, I, I have a firm belief that if you can just be 1% better than you were yesterday, that's the only competition that you really have to be concerned with. Because at the end of the day, you know, John has his big house. John's got his beautiful wife, his freaking Aston Martins. And I don't need to compare to that because I'm on a different path. I have a different life. My mm-hmm. journey is whatever my journey is supposed to be and what I design it to be. So really, my journey only involves me because I don't have to talk to John tomorrow. John could be gone from my life for, for forever and ever. And yet I'm still going to compare to him if I don't choose to take my path and my journey. So when we look at that, I 100% agree with you. We need to stop comparing upwards. We need to stop comparing with other people, but compare with yourself at least who you were yesterday and who you can be tomorrow. Well, and I think this speaks to the issue of internal validation versus external validation, which you touched on earlier. Mm-hmm. Like I really like the idea of developing the ability internally to pat ourselves on the back for small steps, like small accomplishments. And, and I've gotten masterful at kind of identifying smaller and smaller accomplishments, you know, mainly with my clients. Um, but, you know, I, I think that typically men, and, and I think this is part of the evolution. I think when we're younger, we want that external validation, right? We want trophies or medals or people saying, wow, I can't believe you're doing that. That's amazing. And as we get older, I think the goal is to really shift to more internal validation where you know what your values are, you're following your own values, you know what your path is, you're comfortable on your path. And the ability Mm -hmm. to just pat yourself on the back too, I think that's a huge shift. It is. And I think for men, one of the hardest things for them to step into that shift is because they actually truly don't know who they are as a man. And finding them themselves, because, you know, what from, from two to eight, right. We're in what's called, you know, this we're in theta and in theta we're highly programmable. Well, that two to eight, a lot of our blueprint of who we're going to be as men is written for us by what we see, by what's said to us, by other actions of people that we look up to in our lives. And so when we look at that and we say, okay, how do I start to get into my internal validation? But I don't even know who I, I don't even know how to validate who I am as a man. We have to step back and say, well, what was given to us or what was written for us, but not written by us and truly understand what resonates with us. Cause as soon as we can do that, 
Now I can give myself validation because I can appreciate the man that I show up as because I chose the values that he holds himself to. I chose his level of integrity. I chose his level of acceptance and appreciation. And, and I agree. And I think that one of the first steps in that, I think, you know, knowing your values is kind of foundational, but I think being able to objectively, non-judgmentally, with great curiosity to look at how were we socialized and what of those mm-hmm. lessons that I learned when I wasn't asking to be told what it means to be a man, it was just kind of forced upon me by society. And starting at a really young age, five, if you're, you know, you talk four preschool, that's kind of what the research shows. I mean, it comes a little bit from parents, but I think less so. I think it's more so from society. Mm -hmm. Um, But just to be able to look at how was I socialized and what parts of that do I want to take with me? What parts are functional Mm -hmm. that work well, that serve the people around me and myself? And what parts do I want to leave in the past that maybe aren't so healthy? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's part of, that's part of how, you know, I like to teach men and it's what, what of those things do you still resonate with? What of those things do you still appreciate? And what of those things do you not care to drag along with you anymore? So perfectly put by you. And that's where we can actually truly understand. Okay. Now, when I develop that framework of what I want to continue forward and what I want to leave behind, now I can say, okay, let me pat myself on the back for these little things because I can appreciate that I'm, I'm resonating now with my actions and who I am in this world. And, and so now the next step is for me to go join your wild man experience and shoot a sniper rifle from a helicopter. Yes, yes, absolutely. 100%. Because I've done that in video games and I'm really accurate, but I'm not sure that's real life. <laughs> so let me, there's another question I, I got to run by you because this one interests me a lot. So I've been doing a lot of research on psychedelics lately. I've run a couple clients through one, two, three guided trips with psilocybin mushrooms, um, had really pretty impressive um, results from doing so with people that were really very depressed and have been depressed for years. We've tried everything else and they were pretty much like stuck in their rooms. And, you know, after three guided trips found that they, their mood was up, I would say probably two points on a 10 point scale. And they had greater flexibility of thinking, which is just massive. If you're dealing with someone that's depressed, you've Mm. had some experience with psychedelics yourself. How did that figure into your evolution? A, a lot, man. Um, there's so much there and, and for a few different reasons. Uh, so when I did ayahuasca, ayahuasca, I thought was going to be more of a psychedelic trip for me, but a lot of, obviously when you talk to the shamans and stuff like that, they say the medicine is going to give you what, uh, what you need, not what you want. And so for me, I've been putting my body under a lot of stress since I was 16 years old. And I constantly still do that. And so when I went through my um, interaction with ayahuasca, which was a few different ceremonies, it actually came out as a body recovery for me. And I, and I actually had a very tiny bit of psychedelic um, aspects to it. I saw a little bit of visuals, but nothing like what other people went through. My body actually went to almost a full uh, like jelly state. So my, my whole body was like, I, it was insane. I was completely 100% aware. I could open my eyes. I could talk, but my whole body felt like an entire, like the world's strongest muscle relaxer. 
And so for me, that was my experience with something that was a psychedelic, but that's what it gave to me. And my body felt great after it for like weeks. It felt amazing. Like it was like a full body kind of shutdown to where I was like, oh, wow. Like I actually feel really healed in these moments. I feel like it's almost like it went through the washing machine and came out clean. But then I also did what was called Bupo, and that's the Sonoran Desert Frog. It's 5-MeO-DMT. Um, and Bupo was a very different feeling for me. It was it actually put me in this state of really experiencing a lot of anger, a lot of uh, sadness, and a lot of pain. And not physically like I was in pain, but like emotional pain. And what happened was I felt like it was not even all of mine. It felt like it was actually ancestral, something that was carried along in my genetics, which we know is something that can be, is capable within humans of ancestral genes mm-hmm. permeating through yeah, intergenerational trauma. Yeah. Right. And that's what it felt like. And I was like, <clears throat> what in the hell is this? And my whole body tensed up and it lasts about like 15 minutes. And as I was getting towards the end of it, all of a sudden I just started crying and didn't, I couldn't even tell you why it just came out. And I was like, what the heck? Right. And afterwards it felt like such a peaceful and tranquil moment that I was like, wow, it was almost like all of this, you know, intergenerational trauma had been released. And it felt like I was supposed to be the one that could handle that. And then I was the one that had to carry that. But it was very interesting when I went through that. And then, you know, those were a few of the things that I experienced with kind of the psychedelics. And I've done with combo and I've done psilocybin as well. But that was probably the most two profound moments for me as I went through that stuff. Um, and then San Pedro was just a lot of fun. It was actually like this really brilliant medicine of like a lot of love and happiness, but you could have these really intellectual conversations. It was great. Um, but sounds like ecstasy. That was kind of a trip. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so, it, I mean, it's, it's fascinating to me because like the, where I thought you were going to go with the DMT, is that, is that correct? Am I referring to it correctly? You said Bobo, I think. Yeah, it's uh, Bufo, and it's uh, 5 Bufo. Yeah. So when you're describing that, where I thought you were going to go as opposed to the intergenerational trauma was um, kind of empathy and the feeling, like taking in the painful feelings of the world at some level. So I wasn't going back in the past. I was actually expanding it outward because one of the things that I've realized with the vast majority of men that I've worked with over the years is we're all, we all have great emotional depth and we all have great empathy, but we're not aware of how to use it, how to read it and what it's doing to us. Mm -hmm. I I think we learn to turn it off or we try to turn it off, but it's not, it's still there. Absolutely. And I agree to that. And I actually wouldn't discount your, your um, perception of what it possibly could be because it really is just an interpretation I don't know what it was. I just interpreted well, it. could it be both. Potentially. It's not an either right. or. Exactly. Right. Exactly. It could be this. I mean, that. like I think of it like dream interpretation, right? And dream interpretation, you could have seven different layers, spiritual, relational, physical, like that all of which are true. It, it kind of depends yeah. on whether or not it resonates with you. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, it absolutely could have been both. 
And in today's day and age, it definitely could have been both because this was just a couple months ago. So it definitely could have been the world of itself. But that was, it was a journey for me that really helped kind of understand more of who I was in different ways. But it also helped me to understand that there's more depth inside of me of harboring whatever it is, whether it's world trauma or intergenerational trauma, or even the trauma of uh, the experiences of the men that I served with too, because that was a lot that was Mm. compounded as well. We lost a couple guys overseas in Iraq and it really, really impacted everybody, all of us differently. And some of the guys held that a lot longer and went to very, very uh, toxic avenues because of it. Yeah, I don't see how you can't, honestly. I, I mean, I, I really respect the hell out of what you guys do for us in terms of any of the armed forces, um, partly because it's not my speed and it never has been. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that it's necessary. Um, yeah, so let me, let me go to relationships briefly and then we got to wrap up. But how do you see women supporting men more effectively in relationships? Oh man, this is, if they want to evolve, let's say, cause, cause I've had like, I've had teenagers, like a teenage guy come in and we're talking and he's like, yeah, you know, I I got kind of vulnerable with my girlfriend the other day and I started crying in front of her and she was like, dude, stop being such a pussy. So we can Mm -hmm. get man boxed from men, which is more typical, but also from women. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, one is women need to truly understand that they've also been conditioned of their expectations of men by society, right? So that's the first understanding. Or by those men who were really prominent in their lives, for better or for worse, they've been conditioned of what men and masculinity looks like from that. So they have to first come to the challenge of saying, well, what is it that is that I love about masculinity and what is it that I expect of men today? And why do I expect that of men today? So I think that's the first thing for women to truly support and understand men. The second thing is, is to show support for when a guy does open up and actually, you know, a lot of women, you know, this, you know, is that women want to sometimes just be heard. Most of the times just be heard. They don't want us to fix their problems. Right. And men actually, in a lot of cases, want the same thing. So we just sometimes want you guys to hear us and we want to be able to vent um, and express that we're challenged or express that we have some issue with ourselves or society or whatever's going on in our lives. And so women have to go and look at us and say, how do I support him by giving him space and giving him a safe space in which he can speak about the things that are bothering him and not judge him for opening up that door, not judge him. Because as soon as you shut down that vulnerability, You'll never get it back. Guys are great at saying, oh, that's not okay. Cool. That's never happening again. I'll never do that. We're great at that. And so women have to step into that role of really uh, of tapping into their intrinsic empathetic selves and say, okay, how can I give that empathy right now and really uphold this level of safety for him while he's actually exposing something that he's been conditioned isn't okay to do it. And then the other thing is when women actually give us the permission to open up. So when they're saying something about their lives, maybe something they're struggling with, and then they open the door for us to comment if they felt the same way, that gives guys permission to say, okay, there's an open door here. There's there's an avenue in which I can share something and know that it's going to be safe. 
and I can feel okay to do so. And they're going to get more out of it if they allow that to happen, if women can open that door for us. So I think that's another big way that women can really support men in opening that vulnerability. Yeah, I really like your idea. I mean, to me, it's I love the idea of being non-judgmental about our partner's emotions and just looking at them as mm-hmm. emotions, messengers, signposts, and trying not to take them personally, but hearing them, validating them. Once you can do that within a relationship, I think we get to a whole new level of acceptance and satisfaction. It's it's really pretty amazing. Yeah, and, and I love how you put that is acknowledging that these are emotions and that they have nothing to do with the other person because a lot of times they don't. And so and they don't always make sense. No, I mean, they're not rational. They're emotional. They (laughs) sometimes are just weird shit that, you know, takes place (laughs) in our head. Um, So listen, Johnny, we got to wrap up, but tell people where they can get a hold of you. Tell people where they can get a hold of your podcast. Yeah, brother. Uh, First off, I want to say thank you for having me on the show. This has been an honor to be on here with you. Oh, my pleasure. I love we can do this again and again. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. There's so much. This is the tip of the iceberg, right? Um, but it, it's th- this has been a great time, and I truly appreciate you. I appreciate the work that you're putting out today. So thank you for having me on. And for everybody listening, um, you can find me just at johnnyelsasser.com. That's where I have my suite of just things that I'm up to today in the world. Uh, you can find me at, at johnny.elsasser on Instagram. That's the place that I chill the most as far as uh, social media. And then there's the art of masculinity. And that's where Dr. John, you'll be on there as well. And so we have a lot of fun time on there, opening the door about real conversations with men, similar to the evolved caveman, opening up this avenue of giving guys that ability to, to say where their struggles were, how they persevered through them and how they've changed their lives. So those are the best places to, to find me. Awesome. And that's Johnny Elsasser, E-L-S-A-S-S-E-R, Elsasser. Uh, Correct, right? Yes. I just want to check. Okay. Um, And the other thing I want to say is thank you for the work you're doing, because I think it, it hits a niche that I don't in the sense of, I think you, just by speaking your story and sharing your truths and what's going on inside your head and your heart, it gives a lot of men the permission to do the same. And that's a big deal. Mm -hmm. So thank you. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. And that's just because I can't shoot a sniper rifle out of a helicopter. Not yet. Among a few other things, but you know. (laughs) Anyway, Johnny, thank you so much. I really enjoyed it. And that is it for this edition of The Evolved Caveman. Thanks, guys. If you like it, please remember to rate, review, and share. If you didn't like it, you don't need to do a damn thing. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Evolved Caveman Podcast. If you like what you've heard, support us by subscribing, leaving reviews, and sharing the podcast with friends and colleagues. For the latest, most powerful tools to connect with like-minded men, join the Facebook group at The Evolved Caveman. Follow Dr. John on Instagram at The Evolved Caveman, all one word, or join the email list by visiting guidetoself.com. 